This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to another episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to professionals from museums, cultural, genealogical, and historical societies across the United States. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good day, everyone. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature interviews with professionals from museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. You can listen to Preservation Oaks on preservationoaks.podbean.com and also on almost every podcast platform as well as YouTube. Wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe, and thank you for doing that. We give people a better understanding of these organizations, how they're funded, how each is unique to the communities they serve, what programs and events they currently have underway, and what services they offer to the public and their members. We believe this information is vital for people to know how to work with these organizations and how important it is to join, support, volunteer with, and donate to one or more of these core societies. Remember that your donations are tax-deductible. Each guest organization on Preservation Oaks brings with them a truly unique viewpoint and perspective around how they tell the story of their communities, how they continue to be relevant for the times in which we live, and what kinds of exhibits and volunteer opportunities they've created. This makes listening to each episode of the program interesting, fun, and diverse. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. All right, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historic April birthdays for this episode. First birthday is Washington Irving. He was an American writer. And he was born on April 3rd, 1783. He lived from 1783 to 1859 and was born in New York City. His works include Rip Van Winkle, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and historical biographies such as The Life of Washington. I love to read Rip Van Winkle from time to time. It's just beautiful. Our next birthday is on April 16, 1867, and it's the birthday of the American aviation pioneer Wilbur Wright. He lived from 1867 to 1912 and was born in Millville, Indiana. On December 17, 1903, along with his brother Orville, the Wright brothers made the first successful flight of a motor-driven aircraft. It flew for 12 seconds and traveled 120 feet. By 1905, they had built a plane that could stay airborne for half an hour. 
performing figure eights and other aerial maneuvers. Wilbur died of typhoid fever in May 1912. Here are some thought-provoking facts from history. On April 4, 1887, the first woman mayor was elected in the United States as Susanna M. Salter. She was the mayor of Argonia, Kansas. On April 4, 1949, 12 nations signed the treaty creating NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. The nations united for common military defense against the threat of expansion by Soviet Russia into Western Europe. On April 10, 1998, politicians in Northern Ireland reached an agreement aiming at ending 30 years of violence which had claimed over 3,400 lives. Under the agreement, Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland would govern together in a new 108-member Belfast Assembly, thus ending 26 years of direct rule from London. On April 17, 1989, the Polish Labor Union Solidarity was granted legal status after nearly a decade of struggle, paving the way for the downfall of the Polish Communist Party. In the elections that followed, Solidarity candidates won 99 out of 100 parliamentary seats and eventually forced the acceptance of a Solidarity government led by Lech Walesa. Here's an interesting one. On April 18, 1982, Queen Elizabeth II of England signed the Canada Constitution Act, replacing the British North American Act of 1867, providing Canada with a new set of fundamental laws and civil rights. On April 19, 1775, at dawn in Massachusetts, about 70 armed militiamen stood face-to-face -face on Lexington Green with a British advance guard unit. An unordered shot heard round the world began the American Revolution. A volley of British rifle fire was followed by a charge with bayonets, leaving eight Americans dead and ten wounded. A couple of quotes. This one by Sarah Blake from the book, The Guest Book. Wars, plagues, names upon tombs tell us only what happened, but history lies in the cracks between, in the inexplicable, invisible turns and decisions. A person saying no instead of yes, or yes instead of no. It's not just that they had lived, but how. This one from Lawrence Overmeyer from the book, The One Idea That Saves the World, A Message of Hope in a Time of Crisis. DNA opens an even more mysterious door to understanding the human condition. All of our ancestors live within each of us, whether we're aware of it or not. Going to have some tea. It's ah, good. Twiney's Tea. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we'll be meeting with the Union County Genealogical Society located in Creston, Iowa. The Union County Genealogical Society is dedicated to meeting the educational needs of their members through the preservation of the county's public records, cemetery records, newspapers, and family histories for research by future generations. For that upcoming episode, we greet President Sandra Leininger. If you're a resident in the local area, this episode will help you understand what the society has to offer, how you can participate and take advantage of the worthwhile events the society sponsors, and how to best support them by volunteering and donating. On this episode, 
I'm happy to have Stacy Gosling, the president of the Winnesheck County Historical Society located in Decorah, Iowa. Here's a short profile of our guest. Stacy Gosling has lived in Decorah, Iowa for 24 years. She previously lived in Massachusetts where she was born and also in New York and Texas. Stacy attended college in Fremont, Nebraska, earning a bachelor's degree in human services. Stacy and her husband have two adult children that live in the Minneapolis area. Stacy's the owner of several businesses in Decorah, Iowa, one of which is a gravestone cleaning service. Stacy's love of history began with a box of old photos of her family. She hadn't seen them before, and the research into what happened to her family in the past and where they came from sparked her interest. After being a board member of the Winnesec Historical Society for several years, Stacy became the president in 2021 and started her tenure by continuing the ongoing renovation of the society's new home at 302 South Mill Street. Stacy told us she loves to discover what people did with their dash. Everyone's grave has a birth and death date, but she wants to know what they did with their dash. The dash Stacy is referring to is from a wonderful poem by Linda Ellis entitled The Dash. You can Google it, but Anna will read it now. This is a reading of The Dash poem by Linda Ellis. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So, think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real. And always try to understand the way other people feel. And be less quick to anger and show appreciation more. And love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering this special dash might only last a little while. So, when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? All right. That was great. Nice poem with a great message. Welcome to the program, Stacy. Well, thank you. It's very exciting to be here. So how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing fantastic. Hey, let's get right into this. Can you Alrighty. tell us the history of your society? Yeah. The Winnesota County Historical Society was started in 1963. I guess Luther College had a lot of stuff that they decided they were just going to keep the stuff that pertained to the college. So they had contacted a group of people that were here in town and they were getting rid of the stuff out of their out of the college archive. And that is how our society started in 1963. And we were lucky enough to uh, work with the Board of Supervisors 
And they rent the second floor of the old historic jail to us. And that's where the majority of our archives is kept. It's actually like in the old cells from the jail <laughs> that was built in 1878. So, Wow. Is the first floor a museum? Uh, no, actually, the first floor has a couple offices in it that are used by other organizations. And then there's like a little kitchenette and sort of a little meeting room where people from the courthouse, because it's right on the courthouse square, they go in there and they can have lunch in there. Time to put a cafe in there. Yes. <laughs> or maybe a Starbucks, something like that. <laughs> yep. So your society has its home in the Landers Adams Bodensteiner house at 302 South Mill Street. And it's really a beautiful home. And I know that you're still working on it. What can you tell us about that house? The house, we were very, very lucky. The house was actually donated to us a few years back. The family that donated it was the fourth generation family that lived there, but they no longer had anyone living in the area. They said they didn't feel right putting the house on the market and having another family live there. So they agreed to donate it to us. It had been a rental for between 20 and 30 years, and they had someone manage it for them. So it was a little rough, but we've been redoing it. We have restored all the windows to what they were in the old photos that we have of the house. The front part of the house is pre-Civil War, which is pretty wow. early for our area. Yeah. The front part was built in 1860. The Landers family had 10 children. So as they kept adding to their family, they added to the house. So there was a big addition that was put on about 1870 to make it to the house that it is today. That's a perfect um, property for a historical society. It is. It's like a dream come true to have, you know, a family come to you and say, Hey, this has been in our, you know, family for four generations. Would you guys like to have it? Yeah, fantastic. Did you find anything cool as you're renovating it? Nothing quite yet. We have found like we had to rip off the back porch and redo the back wall. Had to have all the bricks taken down. Wow. Because it had separated from the house by like four inches. And we did find pretty petrified little animals that had <laughs> passed away underneath that porch. And one lady pulled the animal up. She thought it was a glove like to clean your car with <laughs> and then realized it had a tail. So um, yeah, <laughs> but we did have a gentleman that came and used a metal detector through the backyard oh, yeah. after we had had a large tree removed. And he did find like some old coins and he's, I can't remember what it was called, but something off a Model A or a Model T car. Hem weights when ladies wore the big poofy dresses. Oh, yeah. And he found one of those weights in the yard. So, My yeah, goodness. it's really interesting. So you got some history there. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now, you know, do you have a, like a museum on the first floor or anything like that? 
Well, the front part, we do still rent out. We have a gentleman that lives there. And the back part is our office that we conduct all of our research and business out of. We keep the front part rented because it helps pay our bills. So the house is still divided into two apartments and we have the back part. How long until it's totally renovated? Oh, goodness. (laughs) It's probably going to be quite a while. Your society has an organizational role, I guess I'd call it, a township director. Mm -hmm. And what is that role? What do those people do? Our board of directors is 21 people. We have 20 townships in Winnishik County. And then we also have one person that is actually for the city of Decorah. And we do programs, it, well, in the past, because of COVID, they've sort of been put on hold for a couple of years, but we would do a program every couple of months. And each township director would be responsible for giving a program about something, anything that interests them in their township. And The directors are usually from that township or have a connection to that township in some way so that when we have a meeting that the entire county is represented. If you don't have museum space or exhibit space in the Landers Adams Bodensteiner house, where do you hold events? Previously, we have held events at the library. It was shortly after we moved in, COVID hit. So we haven't had any of those meetings, but we have had a couple of meetings at the house. It is our office, but we have a display case that we rotate different displays out of right now, like World War One, World War Two. We were donated medical instruments from a doctor from World War One that mm. are a little bit alarming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have the saw and stuff like that. Um, and we even recently acquired a little medicine bag that actually has the little bottles in it that a doctor had used during World War II. So we have that on display. Last year, we created a township wall in one of the rooms, and I had each township director find a picture, and not one that you see all the time, you know, sort of an obscure picture that you would not see normally. And then we hung each picture with a description of what it is up on the wall in one of our rooms so that people can see different things from different townships. That's very cool. That's a good organizational structure. I haven't run into that before. Oh, yeah. It, It really, it helps represent everybody, the whole part of the county. Yeah, it's very nice. You know, one thing I noticed as I was going through on Google Maps, the town of Decor, the county of Winnesek, your area just oozes history for me. As I'm going through there, I just have a great feeling. Can you tell us about the history of Winnesek County? Yeah. So um, Winnesek County, let's see, the county seat was formed in 1851, but there was history, of course, long before that. There were indigenous people, the Oneota. We're here from 950 to 1450. So that was before Columbus even got here. And the Winnebago, or they're also known as the Ho-Chunk tribe, was here long before there was any kind of westward expansion. Mm -hmm. The government created a neutral zone 
for the Ho-Chunk Indians. To the south of the neutral zone was the Fox and the Sac tribe. And to the north were the Sioux, but they were both sort of aggressive. So when the military was moving the Ho-Chunk, they created this neutral zone so that the Ho-Chunk Indians could live in this neutral zone between these two other tribes. And in 1840, the government had built a fort in order to maintain peace between the two tribes. Then in 1849, the Ho-Chunk were moved to Fort Snelling in Minnesota, and then they eventually were moved to northwest Minnesota and then down into Nebraska. At that time, the fort became the town of Fort Atkinson. And one of the last soldiers that was still at the fort, he stayed here. Aaron Young was his name. And he stayed here and had a family. And so he did not move away. Oh, that's very cool. Do you have any Native American people that stayed back and are in the county today? No, not that we know of. There was a lady. Her name was Emma Big Bear. She used to make and sell baskets, and that is within living people's memory. She was mainly over by McGregor, which is right on the Mississippi River, but she was part of the Ho-Chunk Indian tribe, and she would go to different things and sell her baskets. Wow, that's very cool. I want to chat about Decorah. I think it's a beautiful town. I think the hills are what make it so peaceful to me. And I can see clearly why the county has its share of tourists. What is <laughs> what is Vesterheim? I see four buildings in the town. Two are for education and study. Then a Vesterheim, Amdahl, Oddland Heritage Center. And there's a fourth that's a Norwegian-American museum. What's all that? Yes. So that is right down downtown Decorah. Um, The Vesterheim is the Norwegian American Museum. They have our annual summer Nordic Fest that we have. And it is it's really a wonderful museum to go and visit. They do a lot with the schools in the area, teaching children, you know, what it would have been like to be an immigrant and come to a foreign country and You don't know the language and all of that. I did find out Vesterheim actually means Western home. You have a Broadway Phelps Park Historic District. What's that? And are there any other historic districts in the county? Yes, actually. So Broadway Historic District is actually, that is where our house is located. We are on Broadway and it's, all big, beautiful homes. So a lot of people, when they think of Decorah, they think of Norwegians, but it was actually originally settled by the English. People came from the East Coast. They had a lot of money. They built these big, fancy, beautiful homes. And for one reason or another, they either didn't stay or passed away. But they built these big, beautiful homes up in the historic district that people have painstakingly taken care of and kept up and just going driving in that area. The homes are just gorgeous. Our downtown area was also just recently put on the historic registry for the downtown area for all the buildings that are down there because a lot of the people that built those fancy houses 
also built buildings downtown because they had businesses down there. And Luther College, I believe they may have already gotten it to be declared a historic district just because of the history of that. But there's multiple, there's a lot of different historic places in Winnesha County. We have the fort in Fort Atkinson, which is really cool place to go and tour. Part of what we own is the Locust School, which is nine or 10 miles north of town. That is on the historic registry. And it's a one room schoolhouse. It's all made out of stone. And we do on the historical society, we have a committee that takes care of the the school and sets up. We have lots of tours of elementary school children so that they can see what it would be like to go to a one-room country school. Yeah, that's really um, cool. Have you ever heard of Ufta? Ufta, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they sell shirts downtown that say Ufta. Oh, they do? Okay. My <laughs> ex-wife was Swedish, and she would always make fun of Norwegians. And every time <laughs> she did, she, she said Ufta. And then when I went to Norwegians, they would always make fun of the Swedes and say the same thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So what's Winnesette County like today? How has it changed? It's, you know, Winnesha County is just, it's an absolutely gorgeous area. They call it one of the names, it's the Driftless Area, because the glacier did not extend this far south, which is why we have the big, huge limestone bluffs along the river. It's a karst region. We have soft limestone that has been worn away by water, so there's caves and sinkholes. There's Ice Cave, which is right here in Decora, Cold Water Cave, which is the longest cave in Iowa. But I don't think anybody can tour it. I, it's not open to the public. There is a thing on YouTube. Somebody went in with a camera. Oh, nice. And videoed Cold Water Cave. And I was just amazed because I've been in that area and I had no idea that it was underneath there. And it's huge with canoers, uh, mountain biking. We have a bike path that goes all around Decora. There's agriculture, hiking, cross-country skiing. So really the physical features that drew the early settlers here still remain. And we still have a large amount of people that come just for those reasons. Yeah. I'll tell you, if I lived anywhere close to Decora, I'd be there all the time. I imagine it's a... (laughs) It's a bicyclist mecca and a skateboarder's dream. I can I can hit those yep. hills and I can go right down to the river. Very <laughs> yep. nice. For, in terms of industry, I know that Iowa, when I think of Iowa, I think of farming. And yep. so is that the main industry? We do have lots and lots of farms, of course, family farms. There is Stanley Engineering. They have a plant here. There's a company, Collins Aerospace. There's another one called Gemini. There's quite a few industrial type businesses also. I'll tell you, I love your courthouse. It sits up on a hill. This hill had to be, I would think, purposefully built for the courthouse. But it's just beautiful. It's got a Civil War (laughs) monument and a cannon and a Lady Liberty. And it's got clocks up on the top. Do you give tours of that from a historical perspective? We don't specifically, but you can call the courthouse and they will set up tours. The courthouse that is there now 
is actually our second courthouse uh, that was put up in 1903, 1904. The courthouse square, as we say, It goes back much further than 1857 when the first courthouse was constructed there because they have found archaeological remains on the site that indicate it was a favored campsite of both the Oneota indigenous people and the Ho-Chunk people because it sat up so high. It was the perfect spot to be able to look out and see the river and see the area around. So the hill wasn't built for the courthouse. The the courthouse was built on an existing hill. Right. It was actually already there. That's very cool. Yeah. I I think it's just a beautiful place. Yes, it really is. And our board of supervisors have started, well, a few years back, they have been restoring it. So the clock that you mentioned works because it didn't for a while. They are doing a big project this summer on repointing. Apparently at some point, someone came along and was doing repointing and wasn't quite sure what to do with the historic part of the repointing. They did it wrong, and they actually filled in all the weep holes on the courthouse, which, of course, caused water to come inside. So the the Board of Supervisors have been painstakingly working on refurbishing the building. I also noticed as I looked up at the clock that there's like these eagles sitting on these, I don't know, marble balls of some kind. <laughs> yep. Really cool. I I just think it's cool. And I also think it's cool that someone took the time and the community, I guess, took the time to build a Civil War memorial. A lot of people died in that war, you know? Yes. Can you provide the audience with an overview of the communities you serve in the county, the diversity of your membership, the mission and objectives of your society? Yes. Decorah is the county seat. We serve Kendallville, Burr Oak, Hesper, Highlandville, Bluffton. See, there's a lot of them. Freeport, which is actually within the township of Decorah, Frankville, uh, Ocean, Castalia, Festina, Jackson Junction, Fort Atkinson, Spillville, Calmer, Ridgeway. And I'm sure I've missed a few, but yeah, we, we have a, a lot of little towns that make up Winnesha County. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Google Maps, when I went on Street View, they haven't recorded recently in the county in some of the towns. So I couldn't see how they look today. And uh-huh. some of the Google Street View had, it must have been a day when they went through and it was totally foggy. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can't see what's happening here. But It really looks like there's a number of historic buildings and that there's some civic pride going on because I saw some patriotic monuments and that kind of thing. So it's a really nice place. Yes, it's it's a wonderful place. It's a wonderful place to visit and it's a wonderful place to live. So what's your mission? Our mission is to keep history alive so that people remember the things that previously occurred. We have an archive. We have families that donate their family histories to us, which is wonderful because, you know, people will come in and say, oh, well, nobody in my family cares. And I did all this research. But you never know. A generation or two later, somebody may be wondering, hey, I think I have family that lived in that area. And then they contact us and we can say, oh, 
yes, we do have your family history. <laughs> nice. So what's your membership like? Is it people who live in the area or do you have a mix of people out of state? We have both. Mainly, it's a lot of people that live in the area, but we do have quite a few people that live all across the United States that maybe their family had been here at one time, but the, the rest of the family had moved away. So we do, we do have both. Can you uh, tell the audience a little bit about your background? How did you come to do what you're doing today? One day, <laughs> I was at my mother's and helping her clean her closet out. And I find this box full of all these old photos. And I pulled it out and I was like, what is this? Who are all these people? And my mom was like, those are all your relatives. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'd never seen some of those photos or those faces. And it really sparked an interest, you know, and then I was like, okay, where did I come from? You know? Yeah. And that led me, even though I do, I'm not from here originally, I was not born and raised here. It got me involved in the area and I joined the Winnishet County Pioneer Cemetery Commission. And in doing that, of course, I would go into cemeteries and we would do work and preservation efforts in the cemeteries. But then it started me to think, you know, who were these people, you know? And then, so I was like, well, how do I find anything out about these people? Yeah. So then I came to the historical society, you know, and it's all history from there. As oh they yeah, say. that's great. Great story. <laughs> Hey, listen, I'm sorry to interrupt, Stacy, but it's time for our first break for a few minutes. Okay. All right, listeners, we'll be right back. Stay tuned, please. Can you experience hundreds of years of history in a single day? At the Winnichette County Historical Society in the heart of Decorah, Iowa. You'll find something for everyone at the Winnichette County Heritage Center located in the Landers Adams Bodensteiner House at 302 South Mill Street in Decorah. While you're there, be sure to tour the Locust Schoolhouse. Get hours, admissions, membership, and volunteer opportunities by visiting them on the web at WinnichetteCountyHistoricalSociety.com or just call at 563-382 for 166. I'd like to talk about volunteering, especially as a way to help your growing family. As we all know, there are a million things to accomplish and only 24 hours a day to do so. Many people have no idea how to find time to commit to their local museum, cultural, historical, or genealogical society. But it's a valuable investment in the community and your family on many levels, and something that you'll need to make work to realize the benefits. Why does it matter to you personally to get involved in your community? Well, if you're a business leader, it's important to keep your finger on the pulse of the local business community. By doing so, you not only do your part to support local causes, but also stay aware of opportunities to grow your company. 
While there are a variety of ways to accomplish this, including social media, newspapers, television, social circles and networking, there is no better way than to build relationships by engaging yourself in these valuable organizations within the community. However, if you're raising a family and seeking to train your kids in the life lesson, quote, to do well for your community by doing good, unquote, then it's imperative to immerse yourself and your family in helping the community and having fun while doing so. Maybe you've wondered, how can I volunteer in my community, but still have a lot of fun? If so, being a volunteer at a museum, cultural, historical, or genealogical society could be for you. You'll find great opportunities to work with children in order to pass on knowledge and history. Not only do you get to teach the next generation of kids some valuable life skills and information, but you also get to enjoy the activities while teaching them. Volunteers typically help guide visitors, answer questions, answer phones, perform research, help file, work with children, and a huge number of other things that keep the society running smoothly. You also get to attend the events and learn more about your community so that you can pass this on to your family and friends. Your family will get a sense of belonging, a sense of place. For those who say they don't have time to volunteer, time is secondary. People with a family and other obligations can generally give just a few hours a week. You don't have to volunteer for hours and hours of time. You can start by micro-volunteering, with a shift between one to two hours. These societies host a variety of fun activities to bring members and non-members together. These organizations are non-profit organizations, meaning that they have very few staff members on the payroll and rely on volunteers to assist with the rest of their activities. There are always things to do, and if you strike up a conversation with any of them, they'll be happy to help you find something that you will love doing and that helps your family and community. It's an exalted feeling to volunteer your talent, plus the people you spend your time with and the experiences you gain are invaluable. There are literally thousands of people from all walks of life who volunteer their time, energy and resources to museums, cultural, historical and genealogical societies all across the country. If you enjoy books and quiet, the research library is the perfect place for you to volunteer. You will get to organize books and perform research tasks to help others document their lineage. You can be involved in digitizing records and photographs. You can enter records into a database or help the curator. These societies can offer many different activities for you to engage and help by doing something you love. Museums, cultural, historical, and genealogical societies generally work closely with community members, schools, and businesses. They often host events and fundraisers to bring information to the public and improve the success of the area. You can help improve your community by giving back to these organizations that make your community a better place to live. One of the most beneficial and perhaps underrated perks of starting your volunteer journey is the example it sets for those around you. Within your circle, volunteering is phenomenal for the wellness of your community, as you're demonstrating that helping is a core value. From your family members and friends to anyone else in your circle, your efforts to make the time and commit to your community won't go unnoticed. They will set a positive tone in your circle and instill a sense of direction throughout their lives because they will be at the heart of the community. Please consider volunteering with your family today. You'll be glad you did. Sometimes the most commonplace artifact triggers the most heartfelt memories. The museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies within our communities have responsibility for preserving these artifacts so they can be used to educate each new generation about their own past.
They are the gatherers and caretakers of the stories of our history, culture, and heritage. Sharing the lessons of history fosters an understanding of the fundamental knowledge of why things work the way they do. Once armed with a knowledge of their place in history, people have a much higher success rate as they build the future. Our values and ideals are rightly influenced by those who came before us. On each episode of Preservation Oaks, our guests share key information about these core organizations and history. You'll learn about the great work they do, what their needs are, their goals, and why you can feel really confident about the future by volunteering and supporting them. Join us wherever you get your podcasts, and then follow, comment, like, and listen. Thank you for listening to Preservation Oaks. If you're a member of a museum, historical or genealogical society that has not yet been featured as a guest on our program, please let them know to contact preservationoaks at gmail.com. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Stacy Gosling, the president of the Winnesheck County Historical Society in the great state of Iowa and located in Decorah. Let's pick up where we left off. Welcome back, Stacy. Well, thank you. What's over the horizon for the society? Where's your organization headed next in 2022? I guess we would say that to the continuing restoration of our 1860s Greek revival home that is our headquarters. As I said, it was gifted to us to continue to do restoration on that while still keeping our archive going. People come in every day and say, hey, would you guys like this? Or would you guys have any interest in that? I just had a gentleman email me the other day. He was looking for information on a mill in the area. So we try and do our restoration around all of that (laughs) um, work as well. Our big project now that we are going to start tackling because we've restored all the windows, we've replaced the roof, the boiler, all of that kind of stuff. So we know that we will stay dry and warm. Our next project is pretty much the entire house needs to be repointed. Unfortunately, at one point in time, when they did do repointing on the house back in the 70s or 80s is what we're guessing, It was done with Portland cement, which is causing the bricks to spall. The bricks are like a soft brick. They were made at the kiln up in our Phelps Park area. Okay. So they're soft. So when they get that Portland cement around it, there's no way for the water to get out. And it just squishes the bricks. You know, we've lost a few bricks, <laughs> but we have to have all that Portland cement removed and have it redone with historic lime mortar. Man, I tell you, there's just like a thousand things you got to learn to to get it right, you know? Yeah, yep, there is. <laughs> so in 2022, your your main focus is going to be renovation, repointing. It's basically your, your home, your office there. You said that the house was a Greek revival. And this always gets me. I've talked to many historical societies who say this is a postmodern. Who tells you these things? <laughs> you know, you, you just don't wake up, yeah. look at the house and go, oh, that's a Greek revival. Do you? Well, I don't. But we do have a lady that is on our board that loves architecture. 
And you can drive around town with her and she can tell you that's this kind of house or that's that kind of house. I'm kind of like you. And unless somebody tells me, I don't know. I'm just like, oh, that looks like a cool house. Yeah. But yes, you know, and that's part of the beauty of having a big board is everybody brings their own thing to the table. You don't exhibit at the house at 302 South Mill Street. Do you have a place where you can exhibit artifacts? We have a small exhibit area in the house that we do have in our office. Okay. And that's one of the things that we would like to develop more is museum exhibits and exterior signage. When we were actually peeling many coats of wallpaper in one of the rooms in our office, the plaster it w- it wasn't attached to the wall anymore and we were like what is going on <laughs> long story short pretty much the plaster on that wall just came tumbling down it was not attached at all anymore but when it came crashing down we realized it wasn't attached anymore because it was a brick wall so it was actually the exterior wall from the original house before they had put an addition on. Oh. And you could actually see that there was a window in there that they had bricked up. So, yeah, things like that, you know, and I was like, you know what? I don't think we should replaster that. That's part of the history of the house. It tells its story. Let's leave that wall like that. Yeah, that's that's a good decision. I so, noticed on your website that you have an oral history and it says it's Steve Johnson's interview with Mel Falbet. And I'm wondering, is the society planning to complete any further oral interviews? We would love to. It's something that they haven't done in quite a while. And I think would be really, really interesting to start up and do again. Unfortunately, a lot of the oral histories that they have done previously are on cassette tapes. Oh, no. I know. (laughs) So I was just speaking to somebody the other day about it, that maybe we needed to write a grant to try and get all of those converted before that technology is gone. Oh, yeah, it will Um, be soon. Yes, because it it really is interesting. And the tapes are old and brittle now. So you can't just pop it into a cassette player. You really need to send it out and have it professionally done. Oh, my. Yeah. So that you don't lose that. But, of course, like everything else, it involves money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So there's a a goal. I don't know if it's on your 2022 radar, but because you've got a lot of renovation to get done, right? (laughs) Yes. But at the same time, we do have a property committee that, you know, they sort of take care of the renovation so that the the historical society itself can still continue with our our main mission, you know, to protect and collect and preserve anything from Winnishik County. And those tapes would be one of them. I just recently found some VCR tapes. Uh, from that had been donated by our high school. I guess they had done a project back in the 90s and had different people come in to a classroom and give a speech about their business or their family that had been here for generations. And I did have those sent away and put into digital form. And that's really cool to be able to watch it. Yeah, and, thank goodness. And great move, by the way. That's great. 
So you have those. Are those available to people? Yeah, anybody could come into the office and watch them. We had them all put into digital form. And this year, at the beginning of the year, one of the big things that I wanted to get done before we really did anything else is to get cloud storage. You know, we were one lightning strike away from losing everything. It was pretty costly to be able to do it with both of our computers. But now I know that no matter what, all of that stuff is protected. Old photos that we have scanned and there was just thousands of photos that we had scanned and now it's all protected. That was a big step. That's great. So what kind of funding model supports the society? What are your funding goals? Same as with any nonprofit. We we survive on our memberships, donations. We have been very lucky. The family that donated the house to us, they have given us a couple of substantial donations towards restoring the windows. Last fall, we had the front portico redone, restored which was really kind of interesting because we have these big columns and the gentleman that was doing the work, they took the columns back to his shop because like one of them, a woodpecker had gotten a hold of it. (laughs) And so he went back and he was fixing those and he called us to his shop and it was really kind of interesting. I don't know how they, how I thought they were made. I just, it never occurred to me, but they were, these columns were made like a barrel. Oh, okay. With each individual piece. So, and that was a very big project and we had gotten a grant for that. So mainly our funding for the historical society comes from memberships and we write grants like everybody else. Lots and lots of grants. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you have any city, county or state funding coming in? No, we don't. But you have Amazon Smile? Yes. We encourage everyone to go on to Amazon Smile and Find Winnesha County Historical Society. Yeah, that's Click on a great that. way it's to do it. It's the easiest way to donate money to an organization. Yeah, it works really well, too, I think. They send me, here's who you're donating to. Here's the funds that you personally have caused to be given to the society of your choice. And here's overall, for everybody who chose that society, here's the funds that they received. Yes. And that is fantastic. When I see that, I feel really proud. You know, I'm like, yeah, that works. What kind of fundraising activities does your society offer? At the end of the year, we always send out a big fundraising letter, which we usually get, you know, a pretty good response to. We have an annual Christmas party. We also have an annual meeting, which we actually just had this previous weekend. Oh, how'd it go? It went very well. (laughs) Thank you. You know, any way that we can dream up a way to try and raise money or awareness. So do you sell any coins or t-shirts or any of that? We've had t-shirts in the past. We sell a couple of different books. We have one right now. It's called The City of Springs. And it was done years ago by a couple and they painstakingly went through all the different buildings, downtown Decorah, and wrote the history on them. They found out what the building was originally and what it is now. This would be the fourth printing of that book. So it would probably be the last one. Why is it called the City of Springs? Are there water springs? Yes. All through the town, you have some kind of underground water springs. Yes. Yeah. Now we know why the Indians were there, huh? Yep. 
So this is hopefully the last time I'll ask this question on this podcast. So the question is, how did COVID-19 pandemic affect your society? Did you have a lot more genealogical research requests? We did. I think as people were closed in, people started to wonder, you know, hey, where where am I from? Or where were my grandparents from? And we did get a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails. People wondering, hey, do you have this or do you have that? We also got a lot of people that were cleaning out their closets or their basements and were like, okay, do you want this? You know, I found these old books or old maps. There's been a couple of times where we get to the office and there's a book sitting by the front door or in the mailbox. COVID has been a learning experience for all of us, I guess. Is the society going to do now more videos or more virtual events or has anything changed there? No, nothing has really changed that way yet. Like I said, we just had our annual meeting this weekend and it went very well, but I was hoping that more people would be brave enough to come out, but there's still quite a few people that are just nervous about being around that many people. Yeah. What kind of outreach and education does the society undertake within the community? We have previously worked with the middle school, the history teacher at the middle school. He did a thing. He had us come and meet his classes out at one of the local cemeteries so that we could tell him stories, you know, of people that are buried out there that had helped settle our area, you know, because every stone has a story to tell, as they say. One of the things that I was amazed at is he had called the kids to go back to the bus and they were all walking, you know, past us to get to the bus. And there was three boys walking past. And I heard one of them say to the other one, he said, I didn't know my grandparents were buried here. Oh my goodness. And I just thought we have got to do better. We have to get to these kids. The kids need to know these things. I was like, that's not far removed. No. He did not know where his grandparents were buried and it was a cemetery right in town. But, you know, people are more mobile and well, and I should talk because I'm not originally from here. I moved around a lot. Your roots start somewhere. You got to find those. Do you sponsor any holiday events? I know you mentioned an annual Christmas party. Yes, we do an annual Christmas party and really That's it for right now. Hopefully in the future, you know, as more things open up and people aren't so leery of large crowds, we'll be able to to explore options of doing other things. You guys have a booth at the county fair? We do. Every year we do, you know, a different a different subject. One year they did ghost towns, towns that are that were a big town but are no longer around anymore. Nice. People get to know you there. Do you guys publish a newsletter? We do. We put a newsletter out about three times a year. And then we do our end of the year letter. Now, do you email that or mail it with the U.S. Postal Service? Well, we just started with the newsletter that went out in March. When we sent out memberships for this year, but we sent them out last year, We gave people the option of, do you want it snail mail or do you want it email? So we do have a pretty good sized list now 
of people that take it by email, which is wonderful. It saves us money. Stamps just continue to go up. So I know you have the list of your members, but how do you keep the community as a whole informed about the progress the society is making in achieving its mission and goals? Different board members will post something on their Facebook page. There's a couple of different historical-minded groups for the area, and then it just gets shared from there. And sometimes we would put something in the newspaper, an article about something that we're going to do or that we have done. That's kind of how we get the word out. I read somewhere on the web that there was a Decora Pride organization that helped organize an annual parade. Do you guys participate Um, in that? I think last year, I believe that was the second year that they have done that. Very cool. Maybe you can get involved in that. Yes. Do you guys do any tours of the town? or the historic buildings? Through the Chamber of Commerce, they do historic tours. In the past, we have done bus tours where we took people into different parts of the county and along the way told them some of the history of the area, took them to certain spots that they probably drove by a million times and didn't realize it was actually like a ghost town from before. We've done that in the past. And this summer, one of the ladies that is on our board She's actually going to work with the Decorah Park and Recs Department, and she's going to do a five-day camp for elementary and middle school students to learn about historic architecture in the historic district. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's that lady that you were talking about before, right? Yes. One of the other things that it was a project done by two people is throughout town. They went and raised the money and did all the research and the history photos type. We have 29 historic signs. We have maps of it and the Chamber of Commerce also can supply a map of it. And you can go through that. Some of them are like right in downtown and When you're looking at it, you can look across the street and see the buildings as they are now. And they have photos of what the buildings looked like 100 years ago. I noticed one of those at the courthouse on the corner. Yes. Yes. There's three of them at the courthouse square. You can sort of do a tour of Decorah all on your own in the middle of a rainstorm or a snowstorm. Just because of these signs that are all over, there's 29 of them. And they are just unbelievable with the information that they have on them. They were so well done. We're so lucky to have them. Did your historical society put those up or who put those up? It was Elizabeth Lorenzen and a gentleman, Ed Epperly, who I have heard mentioned on your podcast before. He wrote the book about the Velisca axe murders. Yes. He actually lives here in Decorah oh. and is such a entertaining man. He is really a fun guy to talk to. Elizabeth and Ed put together all these signs. They got all the funding in place for them, worked with the street department to make sure that they were okay, where they were going to have them installed. And once the project was all done, they turned all of it over to us. A couple of years ago, we did have to replace one. Uh, One got hit. It was near a bar. 
um, and it got hit during the night. One got hit, <laughs> we believe, with a snowplow during a snowstorm, and then we have to come up with the money to to replace it. We did have one this year, earlier this year, that was hit by a semi trying to make a turn. But luckily, the street department was able to fix it and the sign wasn't damaged. It was just the legs. There's constantly, whenever you drive through town, you always see people looking at those signs. And we've heard the homeschooled kids, that they're working those into their program because they're very, a very, very cool thing. People can use them whenever they want. It's time for us to take our second break. Okay. Time flies really quickly. Yes. We'll pick up where we left off after the break. Listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program will now pause for universal identification. Pass History On by joining, donating, and volunteering at the Winneshek County Historical Society in the heart of Decorah, Iowa. Visit the Heritage Center at 302 South Mill Street in Decorah. Get hours, admissions, membership, and volunteer opportunities by visiting them on the web at winneshekcountyhistoricalsociety.com or just call at 563-382-4166. On Preservation Oaks, we understand that every museum, cultural and heritage institution, historical and genealogical society has a story to tell. And our mission is to help share that story and the value of your organization. When you appear as a guest on Preservation Oaks, you unlock and share your story with worldwide listeners. If you're interested in being a guest on the program, send an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. We're proud to help tell your stories, one valued organization at a time. This is Ruth Armstrong from the Genealogical Society of Lynn County, Iowa, located in Cedar Rapids, and I love listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. <clears throat> Edwards, excellent job you did getting those tiny tea leaves for Tetley tea bags, but what's this ridiculous item on your expense account? Lotus blossoms for Miss Sita Damapella, three rupees. We don't send you out there for fun, you know. But Mr. Dimes, as a Tetley tea taster, you do insist on only the tiniest tea leaves. Right, Edwards, because tiny tea leaves give Tetley tea a richer, heartier flavor. Yes. I know they're hard to find, but that's no excuse to be fast and loose with the firm's money. But Mr. Dimes... No excuses, Edwards. Mr. Dimes, Sita did talk her father into selling us 50 chests of tiny tea leaves. She did? Yes. Hmm. Wonderful girl, Sita. I like those tiny little tea leaves in Tetley Tea. Explore your family history in Lynn County, Iowa, at the Lynn County Genealogical Society, nestled in the heart of Cedar Rapids. Bring your records and your family tree and come on down to the leading resource for Lynn County genealogists and family historians. You'll get the help you need and learn about why the Lynn County Genealogical Society loves Lynn County and Iowa genealogy. For hours, admissions, membership, and volunteer opportunities, visit them at gensoclinnconia.weebly.com. Have fun and make progress.
Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. We're here today with Stacy Gosling from the Winnesheck County Historical Society in Decorah, Iowa. Stacy, we've learned a lot about your community. Thank you for the information you've provided to our audience about your society. So let's pick up where we left off. What kind of facilities does the society manager care for? And do you care for or maintain cemeteries or the statues on the courthouse grounds? We maintain and care for, of course, the the building that we're in, the Heritage Center in the historic district. We also care for Locust School, the one-room school north of town. We take care of those 29 historic signs that are in town. Mm-hmm. And we also care for the archive where a majority of our archives is housed. What kinds of records or historical artifacts has the society received as donations from the public? Oh my goodness, thousands. We have thousands of different things. A few years ago, someone donated an 1863 penny farthing bike, you know, with the big, huge wheel on the front. Oh, okay. And a photo, we discovered that we have a photo of the man on that bike and photos, tons of photos. We have so many photos. And if anybody is out there listening, please label your photos. Talk to your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, anybody you can so that you can have them labeled just right on the back of the photo, like with a pencil. Because we get so many families that come in and after... They've cleaned out, you know, their grandmother's house or something, and they'll hand us a whole box full of old photos. And they were like, we have no idea who these people are. (laughs) Sometimes we're able to kind of put together who they are by, you know, the time frame of their clothing, or if we can recognize a building or an area in the background, Um, The other thing that I've done to try and ID some photos is if we know generally like they're like, oh, well, it's from the Baker family, but, you know, we don't know who it is. Sometimes if we go in on Ancestry and you look up that Baker family, then sometimes you can find photos because somebody else has that photo and they've put it on Ancestry, but somebody in their family had it labeled. <laughs> so they do know who it is. So I guess the big thing is make sure everybody gets their photos labeled. We have lots and lots of letters and papers, um, letters from guys when they were in the Civil War that wrote home during that time. And, you know, the families kept the letters. The family that actually donated the house to us has given us lots and lots of information, letters, different papers about them living in the house, the businesses that the different families ran. One of the things that we've done this year is working with Luther College and their museum studies class. They have taken on a couple projects from us and are going through, one of them is going through a lot of the letters and papers from the Landers, Adams, Bodensteiner family. And the first day when we were up there and they were looking through the thing, the archivist for Luther was also there and she was like, hang on a second. And she grabs one of those letters out and she goes, do you know what this is? And we were like, a letter, you know, and she goes, it's a, it's mourning 
stationary. And I didn't even know what that was. I'd never heard that. And it had black all the way around the edges of the envelope. And then the stationary inside had black all the way around the edge. And she said, that's to show that that family is in mourning, that they had lost someone. And I didn't know there was such a thing as mourning stationary, but now we have some in our archive. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, we were recently given three Civil War bullets that were made by a gentleman that lived in Winnishik County. One day I was at the office working and I had just checked the email. There was an email from a lady in a different county and she said she was going to send some things over to us because she didn't know what to do with them. And no sooner did I finish reading the email and a lady walks through the door and she goes, oh, I'm with the cab company. And she handed me a bag full of papers and books. (laughs) And apparently that lady that was like, I'm sending things to you. She was in a a nursing home. And so she called the cab and (laughs) had them deliver this stuff to us. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) So, yeah, like I said, you just never know what's going to walk through the door. (laughs) How do you document your collection? Are you using collection management software? We actually are doing it on an Excel spreadsheet, believe it or not, a very large one that was developed years ago. And we just sort of constantly are tweaking at it. Every item that we get goes in on this spreadsheet and it's assigned a number and a place where it goes. Well, the good news is you probably have your entire collection all documented. Yes. What's your strategy for digitization of documents and photos? Okay. I was very excited about this project a couple of years ago. In 2019, after doing a lot of research in Winnishik County, I realized when you went online, there was this big black hole. There, there was very little you could find. My family, since I'm not from here, my family was Nebraska and New Jersey. I would go online and find all sorts of information on those. But I was like, you know, there's a lot of people from Winnishaw County that don't live here. They can't just walk into our office and say, hey, do you do you have this newspaper on microfilm? So in 2019, Ryan Geardy, uh, the librarian up at Luther College, he and I were able to write and secure a grant through the state of Iowa. And we were able to digitize the Decorah and Calmer newspapers. And they are all online now. And then just maybe two or three weeks ago, we received another grant that... Uh, Ryan and I and a lady named Kay Ellsburn from the Ocean Library worked on, and we are going to be adding the Ocean newspaper now to the website with the Kelmer and the Decorah papers on. I've heard so many different people commenting. They're using those newspapers in schools. Nursing homes are using them, you know, so that their residents can go read the old newspapers. Researchers, you know, so many different people. So we're really, really excited because when we got the first grant, we didn't have enough money to put all of the papers online. But now we will have the Ocean paper on there as well. So very excited about that project. So you couldn't exist really or do your job without volunteers. Is that right? Right. We are all volunteers. 
There's no paid positions in our organization. And we really have a wonderful group of people that volunteer. So if I want to come in and volunteer, what kind of things do you have for volunteers to do? Oh my goodness, tons of things. We have photos that we are scanning, lots of photos to scan. We have a gentleman right now that he is working with the county extension office has decided to send, they're moving and they are going to send all their like, they would do a yearbook of all those stuff that the county extension had done in the previous year. And they are sending it down to Iowa State to go into their archive. But before they send them down there, they are letting us scan the photos. And a lot of the photos are labeled, thankfully, (laughs) for, you know, and it says who's in the photos from like the early teens, the 20s, the 30s. We all have sort of different projects like that. There's always projects going on. How do you train your volunteers? We find out what their interest is. Like I've said before, one of the good things about having a big board is everybody has a different thing that they like to do. Like we have the one lady that loves to do architecture on the houses. We have one gentleman that he has traveled extensively to say the Czech region. So when we get somebody that calls and says, Hey, I need some help with this. We're like, hey, we have just the guy to <laughs> to hook you up with. So we try and find what interest the volunteer has and get them involved in a program that would keep their interest going. You work with the Luther College folks, libraries in the various communities, and you've worked with the library in Ossian, is it? Ocean, uh, <laughs> yep. to digitize the newspapers. What other kinds of state or county or regional societies and museums do you work with? We work with the Winnishik County Historic Preservation Group. We have worked with the Winnishik County Pioneer Cemetery Commission, like when they are like, hey, do you know anything about a grave that's in this spot? You know, we will help them do research on that. Recently, we just started doing some work with Giants of the Earth Heritage Center in Spring Grove, Minnesota. Luther College, of course, we have worked with. We work with the Retired Senior Volunteer Program. We do get quite a few volunteers through that program, through the county. Nice. We work with the schools. You know, we work with anybody. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. So you've got a pool of volunteers that will help. You mentioned one book that the Society published, and that was about the springs. What other interesting books have you published? We have not published any, but we do sell different ones. There is a really wonderful book. It's called Vera Harris's Old Decorah Houses and Their Stories by Elizabeth Lorenzen. And she worked with this family. It was just a chance meeting in a coffee shop one day. And this lady said, you know, I have all this history from your town because she didn't live here anymore. And she said, you know, I would love to find someone that would put this book together for me. And Elizabeth did it. And it tells about different families in the area. It tells stories about different houses. A lot of them are, of course, in that historic district in Decorah. Now, how did she know the information? She'd just been collecting it for years? Yeah, this 
lady had grown up here and was connected to a very large family, the Wise family. Samuel Wise, they had 10 daughters and three sons. So you can imagine there is a lot of people that are connected to that family. (laughs) And actually, one of our newest board members is from that family. Yeah, just stories that she remembered from when she was growing up. And she had them all written down. And Elizabeth started doing the research and stuff. And I believe before she had the book done, the woman had passed away. But she had left the money in her will to be able to publish that book because she was that heartfelt on having it done. That's another book that we sell. We have 1874 plat books that we sell that are all the different townships in Winnesheet County in 1874. Of course, a, a visitor's guide, a self-guiding tour of stone structures of Winnesheet County, which was just done last year by the Winnesheet County Historic Preservation Commission. We have those for sale. So we always seem to have a couple of things for sale for people that are interested. Yeah, very cool. I want to remind the listeners of how to connect with the society. They have a website at www.winnesseccountyhistoricalsociety.com, or you can email them at winnesec.historical.society at gmail.com, or you can write them at Winnesec County Historical Society, 302 South Mill Street, P.O. Box 63, Decorah, Iowa, 52101. Or you can call them at 563-382-4166. Now, Stacey, I want to ask you, what kinds of things are available to do on your society's website? Our website, of course, has all of our contact information. We have a section about us, our mission, our mission statement, the history, the names of the board of directors, the hours that were open. The facilities that we use, the old historic jail, the Locust School. The Locust School page has all the information on there about how to contact us to set up like if you wanted a tour. They do tours um, from May until September. The address, of course, of the actual historical center building about membership. Our newsletters get put up there. We do have one thing we started where we have put photos, of course, that are not labeled. You know, somebody somebody may recognize them. And I'm hoping to put a whole bunch more photos on because we have a lot of those. Different fundraisers that we've done in the past, our contact information, anything and everything that you would want to know about the Historical Society is on our webpage. Yeah, it's a nice webpage. Can somebody join as a member via the website? Not right now, but I'm hoping to get that done in the future. And can somebody donate at any time via the website? Same thing. No, but I'm hoping to get that done <laughs> okay. in the future. Yeah. But they can just, you know, send it to P.O. Box 63 and, you know, a donation and we would get it. It's coming. I know. Yep. I, I can hear the, the determination in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What is the easiest method for members of the public to donate to the society? Of course, they can always mail us donations, P.O. Box 63. Easy, easy to know. They can call us. You could send us an email if you wanted us to send you our contact information. I know that you mentioned your number one priority is renovation of the of the Heritage Center. 
Mm-hmm. Are there any other current initiatives or needs of the society that you want people of your area to know about and support? I guess right now, you know, like I said before, the same as with any nonprofit that has been affected by COVID and not been able to hold gatherings because we have not been able to do those things. You know, donating to us is wonderful. What are your thoughts about how best to keep history and the community support flourishing for the current generation? I think we need to do more things digital because people use phones and computers more. And I think it's very important to work with the schools to get kids so that they have that sparked interest. Very important. Why is the society important to the community? What makes your society different or unique from other societies? I guess, well, one, we're an all-volunteer operation. We don't have anyone that's paid because we're preserving the history of Winnesha County whether it is through oral histories or an actual object like Civil War bullets or diary of someone or old school records, because if we weren't keeping it, then what's going to happen to it? Where will that history be stored? What's the benefit to me if I join the society? I guess the biggest benefit is because then you can brag all over the country that you are a member of the Winnesheet County Historical Society. Yeah, you got bragging rights. That's good. (laughs) You would get a newsletter so that you would know what's current and what things that were going on at the society and keep you up to date on those kinds of things. If I am researching my family genealogy and I'm trying to put that together and I connect with the Winnesheck County Historical Society and ask you for copies or information, what do I pay for and what's free? Copies, if it's just a photocopy, we charge 25 cents. Photos would be $5, but if you're a member, it's $4 for a photo. We do charge for research. We say $15 an hour, but I usually do half an hour to 45 minutes free of charge. If it's something that I can immediately, I'm like, okay, I know we have that. I just got to go find it. You know, we don't charge. We just ask people to give a donation that they feel would be correct. Do you interface with the Vesterheim folks? Because they have a museum there in town and they have all this stuff going on as well in terms of an annual, what is it, Norwegian festival or something? Yeah, Nordic Fest. Nordic Fest, (laughs) that's it. Do you interface with those guys? They have recently, they have been going through their collection and taking anything out that does not fit their mission, which is Norwegian American. People over the years have donated things to them. And then they're like, you know what? That has nothing to do with Norwegians. So then they call us and say, Hey, we're going to deaccession this. You know, do you want do you want these things? So we have worked recently quite a bit with them um, on different items that didn't fit their mission statement, but they fit ours, which is wonderful. When we've done research or when they are doing research, you know, they may contact us or we may contact them. If we have somebody that calls and has a question about something Norwegian or They need a letter transcribed from Norwegian. We may send it to them and say, 
hey, can you help this person? Is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about? I guess just donate, 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 donate. Even if it's, I know people from all over will listen to this, you know, and you're like, well, I have no ties to Winnesha County, Iowa. Donate to the one that's local to you because nonprofits really are struggling. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Donate, donate, donate. Donate, join, join the membership. The membership helps pay the bills. Fantastic. And it'll help get that house renovated that much sooner. That's right. So you can move on to another (laughs) great project. Thank you, Stacey Gosling, for spending the time with us. I've really learned a lot. I've had a great time. And I'm really glad to meet you, Stacey. It's, uh, It's exciting learning how much you've got going on. And you've got a lot on your plate right now. Once you get that renovation done, you can further help the community and your members. And I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be able to chat with you. You know, anytime I can talk about historical society stuff, you know, and somebody will listen. (laughs) That just makes my day. And with that, we'll end our time with our guests. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap up, which is coming up next. The best thing about Preservation Oaks is that you get history instantly, right when you want it. Listeners of Preservation Oaks learn how they can experience unlimited fun and knowledge at their local museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. All that for a single low-cost annual membership. Now that's high value. If you're not already a member or a volunteer, then be sure to get it done today. Welcome back. Residents in Winnesheck County, Iowa, are certainly blessed to have a very intelligent and qualified person at the helm of your historical society. Stacy Gosling is one of the smartest leaders I've ever met and loves discussing the society and history. She's a very good communicator, a person who is successful at working with other area professionals, a focused and down-to-earth practical individual who knows the value of history and what its preservation and sharing can do for the people of Winnesheck County. Stacy is dedicated to the success of the Historical Society on behalf of the community. She and her team have been very busy working on many different worthwhile projects. She is leading the society into a future of service using and benefiting from technology, more education, and working with schools, more events, added exhibit space, professional artifact preservation, collection management improvements, and giving county residents a fantastic historical society home. Stacy Gosling is new to the role of president of the society and currently has her hands full for sure. She needs your support as much as possible as the society comes out of the dark ages of the COVID pandemic. This is just my personal belief, but after meeting with Stacy, I get the impression she's very aware of the opportunities for future improvements she believes are needed but is still getting her thinking more solidified around funding as well as how and when to operationally implement them. Stacy has a full spectrum of great ideas for the future, and I wish her all the luck of the Irish in getting them done. As she pointed out in so many words, the work truly never ends because history is always happening. 
The most pressing priorities of the society in 2022 are, number one, renovation of the Greek Revival 1860 Landers Adams Bodensteiner House at 302 South Mill Street. The society has already done a lot of work, restoring the windows, putting in a new boiler, replacing the entire back wall of the home, fixing the roof, and much more. But there is lots more to do on this, including repointing the home. So please, donate, donate, donate. Volunteer. Become a member. The next level challenges that Stacy mentioned were putting in exterior signage, so people know that it's the home of the Historical Society, adding exhibit space for the artifacts, completing more oral histories, and getting the existing county oral and video historical archived information off of obsolete media types and onto technically current media before it's too late and the data is lost. There were a thousand questions I could have asked during our time together, but I didn't in the interest of time. If questions occur to you and you'd like more information, please connect with the Society via the contact information provided. If you're a listener in the area the Society serves, or if you're a listener researching ancestors in the area the Society serves and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting the Society. The contact information for the Society is, their website is, www.WinnesheckCountyHistoricalSociety.com. You can connect with them via email by sending to winnesheck.historical.society at gmail.com. Their physical address is 302 South Mill Street in Decorah, Iowa. You can mail them at P.O. Box 63, Decorah, Iowa 52101. And finally, you can phone them at 563-382-4166. I hope this information helps the audience understand just how valuable the society is to the community and what kinds of excellent services they have to offer to their members and the public. The Winnesheck County Historical Society is truly one of our preservation oaks. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Scott Holmes and Cymbalbird. Off Shane. 1215, Francesco Letera, and Funky Ride. MicroStream Radio is a registered trademark. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by MicroStream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of MicroStream Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. See you all next time on Preservation Oaks. <laughs>